0: Hi guys, this is Rachel on recover. We've got our special guest, Tammy miles with us. She's, she's going to tell us a little bit about herself. And then we're going to go into some questions to ask her about her recovery journey.
1: Hi, well, thanks for having me uh, and Happy New Year. Um, so yeah, my name is Tammy miles. Um, I currently live in Louisville, Kentucky. And I have been on my healing journey for a little over a year now. Um, my trauma was thirty six years ago, but it took me a lifetime to acknowledge it and uh and start my healing process so yeah, that's where we are fair enough. fair
0: enough um here's some questions we're gonna ask you uh what things have you done for recovery of being sexually abused as a child
1: oh i I feel like a more accurate question would be what have you not done um uh, my husband and I joked at one point because he thought I was reaching a little too far with some things. Um, but I told him I was just going to throw some things at the wall and see what sticks. Um, cause something's got to help at some point. Um, and you know, I feel like I'm in a really good place right now. Uh, but when my journey first started, um, with, with acknowledging what I went through, um, it's definitely not always been easy and it's not always been smiles. Um, so, um, you know, I think the first step was just talking to my doctor, my my general practitioner, and getting a referral for a good talk therapist. Um, talk therapy was my first step. Um, while doing that, I was introduced to the Unique Foundation, uh, which hosts the Haven Retreat. And if you're not familiar with that, the Haven Retreat is a retreat specifically for women who are adult survivors of child sexual assault. Um, and so I have since attended that retreat. It was absolutely amazing. I have tried yoga, meditation, just general overall mindfulness as a whole. I have tried Reiki healing. I have seen a shamanic practitioner. I have tried to tap into spirituality. I've done a tarot card reading. I, obviously the biggest thing that I've done is just acknowledging it and, you know, calling out my abuser. Um, but but I think that I've I've tried a lot of things.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um what has been the most helpful?
1: Um, kind of a combination of things. Um, obviously the Haven retreat was very in-depth. It was four solid Days of you know taking me out of my element and away from you know my family and my comfort zone and putting me with like-minded women who have been through um, similar experiences, similar traumas, uh, and surrounding us with very positive therapists. Um, coming out of that, I kind of miss it. Um, it's it's hard to have all of that amazingness in four days and then you just leave and it's like, okay, now what? <laughs> Um, I feel like we've made some great connections and, and, you know, we've all bonded and stayed in touch. So that's just been wonderful. That's definitely been helpful. Um, but more so than that, I think just being mindful um, on a daily basis, positive affirmations, um, you know, meditation has been huge for me. I've heard good things about meditation,
0: and I've done some myself. So um, how did your family respond?
1: So that would be um, mixed reviews. Uh, some responded better than others. Some chose no response at all. Um, I guess it's too painful um, or difficult to comprehend. My abuser is a family member, um, so you know, having having that family divided now um, between and uh, let me be clear, I never asked anybody to choose sides. It was never me or him pick one or the other. I just simply said my truth. Like, this is what I've been through. This is what I know that he did to me. Um, and, and I mean, I have to heal from that. So that's, that's where I was. I never asked anybody to pick sides. Some people naturally have just decided to pick sides. Um, and I, that that's fair. If that's what they choose to do, I'm okay with that. Um, I, I battled it for a while. Um, I thought, you know, maybe it would have been better if I just kept this to myself. Uh, and then I wouldn't I wouldn't have lost the people that I lost. But, you know, maybe if I lost them, they weren't my people to begin with. And so, um, just, yeah, really, really mixed feelings from the family. Um, I've got family members that don't speak to me at all anymore. And I've got other family members who have just completely... Um, loved me um harder than they ever have before and been there for me and they check on me and they support me so eh, it's a little 50 50 on
0: that fair enough i kind of get that how did your community respond
1: shockingly better than my family <laughs> i've i've had more positive outreach from um people around me who are non-family members um you know, I I grew up in I mean, not a small town, but certainly not a large city either. And so a lot of the people that I've known, you know, that I graduated high school with, we've known each other since kindergarten. I mean, it's just these we were kids who started school together and we finished school together and because of social media outlets, even though, you know, many of us have moved on to other areas, you know, with our lives and live in other places, we can all still stay in touch and so By me choosing to share my story out loud, it's inspired a lot of people that I had no idea had a similar story. They've reached out to me and said, you know, wow, Tammy, um, you know, because you shared your story, I just want you to know that I also went through a very similar thing. And, you know, I I have more people telling me their stories, which it's sad, but it's also validating because I know that I'm not alone. I know I'm not the only person that this has happened to. Um, But that that's also where it makes it very sad because people shouldn't have to experience this and they shouldn't have to carry this trauma with them for all of their lives. But I've, I've been blown away by the support that I have from, from people who I did not even know were my allies. I didn't realize that they were on my side and they've just been in the background cheering for me this whole time.
0: Awesome. And that's amazing. Um, Was there any revictimization or victim blaming?
1: Um, that's a hard, that's a hard, uh, question for me because I guess I'm, what I would consider re-victimization, I, I, I don't feel like there has been any, but, you know, in talking to my therapist, um, there's been times that she's, she has called it out and said, that's, that's re-victimization right there. Um, not really victim blaming so much is just victim shaming, I, I get a lot of the, um, mm, we don't talk about those things or, um, you know, gosh, Tammy, that was so long ago. You should just let it go. Or why can't you just get over that? Um, you know, those, those are things that no victim should ever have to hear or be told. Uh, we have to be able to heal from this. And if we don't acknowledge it, then we can't move on to the next steps. So we we'll, we will constantly and always be stuck in a victim mode. And I refuse. I just refuse to live my life as a victim. I did that in secret and in silence for so long that, um, you know, I, today I'm a survivor. I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor. And my next step is to be a thriver. Um, cause I don't want to be a survivor for the rest of my life either. You know, I, I want to thrive and, and just, and, and, and just feel so good in life and, and, and and be such a positive person and a positive influence. I don't always want to have to dwell on the negativity of what happened to me when I was a child.
0: Fair enough. That's the goal is to be a thriver. But I think we're, a lot of us are still just in the, the survivor mode.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think that we get stuck there for a long time because we don't know how to move past it. Um, oh, yeah. It's, um...
0: It's 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 a hard place to be. Well, and they've started using well, the word survivor instead of victim because that everybody's like, oh, you're a victim, like you're you know you're living like a victim, but we're really not. We're survivors. We went through a battle.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, something made us a victim. At some point, we were a victim, but we don't have to stay in that mentality for the rest of our lives by any means. No,
0: most definitely not. That's not where we want to be. Um, How has this impacted your career?
1: So my career, uh, you know, my job today, I couldn't be more thankful for. Um, They've been incredibly supportive in talking about the Haven Retreat, um, you know, being four days, they allowed me that time away from work, no questions asked. They know what I'm going through. They're aware of my journey. Um, when when I broke my silence, I worked for this company. And so they. when you spend five days a week with a certain group of people, you do overshare things. And so you know more about your coworkers than sometimes you do the people who live in your house. And I think that that definitely became true with my coworkers. They, they know my story and they know my journey and they've been with me for all of it. Um, and I just I couldn't be more thankful and, and grateful and blessed to have them. Something that I've learned though, is, you know, I had, I had a previous career. Um, I, I was a, a business owner. It was through a multi-level marketing company. So it was a direct sales business. Um, but, you know, I invested in it and I built, I built a huge, huge team, probably 60 to 70 women on my team, the last year that I was in business, uh, my team sold over $850,000 worth of retail sales. And so, you know, the, by no means is, is calling it a successful business um, a far stretch. It definitely was. And for some reason, and I never could figure out why, I self-sabotaged that business after almost nine years. I just kind of let it go. I quit. I got bored with it. I was tired of it um and and again through my therapy and through my healing what i've learned is that a lot of us in that victim or survivor mode we don't feel worthy of success and we start to self sabotage when things are going well we we're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole time because nothing good can happen for us because we don't have good positive lives because horrible things happen um and so i've learned that what I did not know at the time, I thought I just got bored with it and I was done. But what I have since learned is I definitely self-sabotaged that business. I had an amazing career. Um, I had a fantastic thriving business and I just completely let it go. And I couldn't explain to anybody why. It just made, it didn't make sense to me or anybody else. And it does now. I get it. Um, and I know that I, I'm absolutely worthy of success and I'm absolutely worthy of good things and everything in my life is not going to turn into the dumpster, you know? Fair enough.
0: I think a lot of people follow into that, you know, self-sabotaging kind of world. It's uh, hard
1: when we, don't, when we don't know that we're doing it, though. Oh, it is. And and you just can't... Everybody wants to know, why did you quit? Why did you stop doing that? I just... I wasn't having fun anymore. and And the truth is... I probably, you know, I was still enjoying the business. I just didn't feel worthy of it.
0: Now, a lot of people struggle with self-sabotaging, like, a lot of things in their life. Um, how has this impacted your dating life when you were dating? I know you've been married for a while.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, so um, I'm 43. Uh, I have essentially been married since I was 19, just not to the same person. <laughs> <laughs> I left one marriage and, and kind of entered straight into another one um, without a lot of time in between. Uh, my husband and I, um, Jeff, he is he is my rock. Uh, we have an absolutely amazing relationship. We have a great marriage. And I think that it's because our foundation is based on communication, where my first marriage was not. It was based on lies and, and deceit um, on my part. I, I won't put anything negative on him. Um my first husband was a nice man um who had a a nice job and he was a nice father and I mean for for all intents and purposes we probably had a nice life but again I didn't feel worthy of that and I allowed that to self sabotage as well. Um I I do jokingly say that I waited until I got married to start dating um because I I was young and I didn't know what a good marriage looked like. And I never had a good example of what a healthy relationship looked like. I never saw one. Um, you know, all of the examples that were set for me were bad and I just kind of followed suit with it. But then also in my healing journey, I've learned that a lot of us survivors, that's what we do. <laughs> we, we, uh, tend to have very unhealthy relationships and that's what my first marriage was. And, um, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that, I'm sorry that that's who I was at that time in my life. And I'm sorry that I hurt him. However, I learned. I learned about myself. I learned about relationships. And, you know, where I am today, I wouldn't trade a second of that. I wouldn't go back and do a single thing different because it's brought me to where I am today. It's put Jeff and I together. And there, there's nobody else that I want to spend my forever with. Than, than my husband, so um, we we just learn, we learn and we grow and we do better.
0: That's awesome that you have an amazing marriage. You, that's a that's a gift.
1: I'm very very thankful. I'm thankful that he was placed in my life at the time that he was because I just couldn't imagine where I would be right now without Jeff. Um,
0: how has this impacted your marriage?
1: So yeah, communication, it's, it's definitely opened that up, Um, you know, going into our relationship when Jeff and I first met, um, you know, and, and when we were newlyweds, I mean, he's always known about my sexual trauma, even though the world did not know, I was not openly speaking about it. Um, You know, my, my family did not know it was, it was a secret, but I think that, one thing that I've learned in my life is if you're going to have an intimate relationship with somebody, they have to know these things about you because, um, I mean, there's going to be triggers. There's going to be triggers and, and, and big red flags that go off. And so he's always known and he's always been supportive. Um, he never really understood, though, why, why I, something like that would happen to me, but I would continue to try and keep my abuser in my life. Um, you know, why, why we still had that sibling somewhat of a bond. We were never close. Um, but you know, we were around each other at the holidays or, you know, um, I was very involved in his children's lives. I've always been a very protective aunt and Jeff never understood why, uh, why we did things with them as a family, knowing what I went through. And I think that, um, You know, as as victims and survivors, we are trying to find some sense of normalcy. Um, uh, I've heard the word trauma bond. I don't think that I had a trauma bond with my abuser. Uh, I think that I just tried to pretend like the trauma didn't exist so that we could be normal for my mom. Do you think you were such
0: a protective aunt because of your
1: abuse? Maybe. I, I I don't know. Um, I don't think I don't think that my abuser is a sexual predator today. He is definitely no longer in my life since since I broke my silence. We've ended that that relationship completely, so I have no contact with him. Um, and unfortunately, as a result, I also have no contact with some of his children. Um. That's very hard. That's very hard. Um, He has not always made the best choices. Um, Obviously, not only what he did to me as a child, but then, you know, as he grew up through life, he continued to make poor choices, abusing. um, He abused his first wife. And so I was very protective over his son, who, you know, was a baby at that time. I wanted to nurture and protect my nephew because his parents were physically fighting all the time. Um, you know, he has another child that he didn't really have a whole lot to do with in her young life. Um, it was, she was, uh, she was a product of, I guess, kind of a one night stand or, you know, a teenage party, whatever you want to call it. He never really dated the mother. And so he didn't have a relationship with the mother. Therefore he didn't have a relationship with the child. And I always wanted to have a bond with her. So, um, I don't. I don't know that it's necessarily related to my abuse. It could. Maybe it's just related to who the person that I know that he is. I know that he's not a good person. Again, I don't think that he's a sexual predator today. I think that what happened to me 36 years ago um, isn't. I'd like to believe that. Um, that that's not who he grew up to become. But I do know that he never acknowledged it. He never got help for it, and he has grown up to have other narcissistic or sociopath behaviors. And so, I definitely do tend to want to protect people from that.
0: Yes. Okay. Um, how has this affected your parenting? Um,
1: hmm. I don't know that this necessarily affected my parenting as much as it just did. I had a very free schedule, so to speak. Um, when I when I did own my own business, I owned and operated. Um, I had. I had freedom that I could, I didn't have to set an alarm in the morning. I could sleep late. And so, you know, a lot of that was during my son's probably between like the ages of like 10 and maybe like his senior year of high school. So, um, later in life, not when he was a toddler and a baby, obviously, but when he was old enough to kind of take care of himself, I kind of just let him take care of himself. I would sleep in, he would get himself up for school, um, Looking back now, I realize that that was probably depressive behavior on my part, um, where I would rather just hibernate in bed than get up and deal with anything. Um, but I also had a different type of a schedule at that time. I worked more in the evening um, or on the weekends. And so I, I stayed in bed. I slept a lot. My son uh, is very independent. Um, but now, of course, at, he's 20 years old. He's an amazingly independent adult. So I think to be such a young adult and to be so responsible, you know, maybe I can pat myself on the back a little bit. Everything wasn't, um, you know, horrible upbringing, but I don't, I don't think that there was enough nurturing that took place when he was growing up. Um, He, I'm a standoff kind of person. Like I'm not really a touchy feely person and my son isn't either. And it kind of makes me sad because I'm like, is that my fault? Like, did I make him that way? I, is that learned behavior like it? Does he not like touch because I didn't hug him enough or um, I don't know. It. <laughs> I, I will tell you that I just spent an amazing 11 days with him through the holidays that um, he came from South Carolina and stayed with me here in Kentucky and we had the absolute best visit and I miss him so much already uh, and he's just been gone for two days. so I already can't wait to see him again.
0: Yeah, that's always nice to get to spend holidays with family right now, especially with COVID. Um, how did this impact your finances? I hmm. mean,
1: you know, I don't really think that it has, but I definitely spend a lot of money that I probably shouldn't. Um, you know, retail therapy is fun. <laughs> it is,
0: but it, it like, it you're, you're not the first person to say, Hey, I use retail therapy for my, yeah. my trauma. Definitely,
1: did definitely did that. Um, but again, I didn't know that I was doing th- these behaviors or doing these things as a result of trauma. Most of my life, it everything that I look back on now, it's like, uh, Oh, I probably did that because of my trauma. But I. I didn't know that I was doing that because of my trauma at the time. So it's all really weird the way it starts connecting together as you learn more about trauma in the brain and trauma in our bodies and, you know, just kind of go through the healing process. So, um, you know, everything that I've done has cost money in some way. Um, you know, therapy is not free. I am fortunate that it only costs me a minimal copay to see a therapist. However, I still do have to pay, have to have health insurance, um, You know, things that I like to do for self-care, I like massages, Uh, those aren't free. Um, You know, the shamanic practitioner or the Reiki sessions, yoga classes, any of those things that I do for myself cost money. So what I'm trying to do right now is just focus on more home-based type of things that I can do for myself here to be mindful without having to always go out and spend money. You know, when I when I said earlier that I was just throwing a bunch of things at the wall to see what would stick, it got to where my husband would ask, "Well, how much did that cost?" You know, because I would tell him something like, "You know, I went to this shamanic healer and she journeyed into the other realm to find pieces of fine pieces of my soul." And he just kind of looked at me and was like, "How much was that?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Can you really put a price on my happiness?" <laughs> Um, but no, um, I've created a Zen den here in my house. So I have my own meditation room. Um, I've got, um, a very inexpensive waterfall. So I get the sounds of the, you know, the, the sounds of like the stream and the water running. I've got salt lamps in there because of the healing qualities of Himalayan salt lamps. I think that all of that is wonderful. I've got an oil diffuser in there and incense and just all of the things that can make me feel good. And I like to listen to guided meditation. Um, and so I'll do that on through like Amazon music or like a YouTube video. So just things that I can pull up and stream for free and just quietly listen to and sit and meditate and it doesn't have to cost me anything. So I'm learning. I'm learning. I do still spend money, but I'm learning. Fair enough. Uh,
0: how has this impacted your overall health long-term?
1: Um, I have celiac disease, um, which is an autoimmune disease that affects the gut uh, I did not know that celiac disease typically most people with celiac have it because somebody else in their family does. Nobody else in my family that we 're aware of has celiac disease i 'm the only one uh i 'm the only person with an autoimmune disease at all, and so you know we did a lot of you know why 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 does Tammy have this and you know why is Tammy you know always sick or why does she have the worst immune system and It turns out, again, you know, trauma in the brain and trauma in the body, that all of these things are tied together. And so it's not uncommon for trauma to trigger celiac. Now, once you have it, you can't get rid of it. So it's not like I can heal my trauma and then my gut be completely normal again. I have to be gluten free now for the rest of my life. Um, There's just no other way around that. But, you know, I'm gonna have to carry this autoimmune disease now. And there's a strong likelihood that it is a direct result of trauma. Yeah, that I endure. I mean there's a
0: huge correlation <laughs> to autoimmune diseases and uh trauma. It's especially with the gut. No idea. Yeah, I know I've got asthma and currently diabetes due to the trauma I've experienced. So
1: I feel you. I have di- I have type 2 diabetes, but that's just because I have a poor diet. <laughs> There's nothing else to say about that. It's just, that's just poor diet control for me. I don't think that has anything to do with my trauma. Um, however, I, I do 1000% believe that my autoimmune disease, my celiac disease is directly related to trauma.
0: And I think what we eat is, especially for emotional eaters, then that is tied to our trauma. So yeah, um, it's huge. Um, how has this impacted your social life?
1: So there's definitely been times in my life where I've been less than social. Um, people who knew me, I call it my former life. Um, when I was uh, when I was a business owner, uh, it was like I was always I was always in performance mode. Um, so you know, I hosted parties for women. It was like an in-home party plan. Think of like Tupperware, Mary Kay type of work, right? Um, sure. You know, you're hosting parties. And so I was always in performance mode. I felt like anytime I was in a group environment, I, I, like, I had to be selling all the time. And so when I was detached from those situations, all I wanted to do was just lay in bed quietly and not really have to do anything. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to do want to put on makeup. Like, please just leave me alone and let me lay down because I, I need to rest. I need to rest before it's time to perform again. <laughs> so a lot of people thought that I was an extrovert because I was very just energetic and, and always having a good time. But man, I was performing. That was a performance because when I shut it off, I shut it all off and I was really an introvert. Um, I don't have much of a social life outside of probably social media. Um, And even that, I have scaled back and removed, um, unfriended, blocked, just taken myself out of so many circles that I just don't really fit in anymore. Um, So, you know, even that, it's not like I'm a social media influencer by any means. I went from having, you know, maxed out on Facebook over 5,000 friends that's like the limit. So I used to have to tell people, "Don't send me a friend's request. I can't accept anymore. Just follow me. You have to follow me on Facebook." I probably have less than three hundred Facebook friends now, just because I've scaled that back. So I'm I'm not trying to be a social media influencer. I'm I don't care if I'm the most popular person. Um, I have I have a small circle of amazing friends, and I don't need a large group of people who don't really care what's going on in my life you know what I mean I
0: mean I think statistically speaking you can only recognize about 500 people and and like and have uh, relationships with more than 100 people I mean that's that's really
1: that sounds fair
0: you know realistically you know after your database is full I mean there's just no room left Uh, but no, uh, how has this affected your long-term mental health?
1: We're getting there. (laughs) It's still, it's a beautiful work in progress. Um,
0: let's see. To victims out there, what advice would you want to give them?
1: Find your voice. Let people know. Um. It's important for you to know that you're not alone. There's no reason to keep this a secret. Um, if you haven't found your voice yet, um, reach out to somebody. You you don't have to use a public platform and, and announce it to the world like I did. I mean, I'll, I'll shout it from a mountaintop. I don't care anymore because that's who I am. If that's not who you are, that's okay. But find somebody and tell somebody because you can't keep this, um, you have to you have to acknowledge it, you have to own it, and then you can heal from it. And we can't start healing until until you acknowledge it. So um, just reach out to somebody, reach out to somebody. There's there's free resources out there, y'all. The Haven Retreat through the Unique Foundation is 100 free if you are a female over the age of 18 and you were sexually assaulted prior to the age of 18. This program is for you.
0: It's a really good program. I went and it's amazing.
1: Life-changing. Life-changing. How
0: has this impacted your faith?
1: Sure. Not sure. Um, I've always struggled um, with faith. I wasn't raised in a church. Um, You know, I like I said, I, 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 throw things at the wall to see what would stick. And, you know, some of that was, was, you know, talking to God. Um, I don't know, I don't know where I stand with that yet. And I think that that's okay. Um, I, um, I'm trying, I'm open to learning, I'm receptive to learning. Um, but I, for me, I don't know that my faith is going to fall into a religious belief right now. Um, my faith is definitely more just spiritual and earth grounded, um, scientific even maybe. Fair enough. Um, I
0: think that's it. Thanks for coming on our show, Tammy, and telling us a little bit about yourself and sharing, uh, your journey of recovery Uh, And helping others out as they learn to find their voice.
1: Well, thank you so much much for having me. I think it's a beautiful thing what you do. Thank you. All right, guys.
0: Thanks for listening. We've got a next episode coming out, hopefully Thursday of next week. So keep listening and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And you can always come to our website at uh, www.rachelandrecovery.com. Thanks for listening.